This is Michael Reinhardt, welcoming you to the U.S. National Privacy and Cybersecurity Podcast. We are led by our two hosts, Jerry Buckley and Jody Westby. This podcast is sponsored by the Association for Data and Cyber Governance. The association offers a 50% discount on membership to our podcast listeners when they go to www.adcg.org and use code POD. We hope you enjoyed today's episode, and please feel free to leave us a rating or comment. This is Jerry Buckley, and I am here with my co-host, Jody Westby. Today, our guest is Carl Hahn, who serves as Vice President and Chief Compliance Officer at Northrop Grumman. We're going to explore a subject that has immense implications for privacy and security, namely the evolving rules regarding appropriate use of artificial intelligence or AI. This is a subject Carl encounters as Chief Compliance Officer of a major defense contractor, particularly since the U.S. Defense Department has adopted ethical principles for artificial intelligence. Our goal in this episode is to gain an understanding of what those ethical principles are, how they are implemented, including what steps companies are taking to set up structures to assure compliance with the ethical principle. We will also see if there is any learning in this context of not only DOD standards, but also for other efforts to establish responsible AI that may have applicability elsewhere, such as in financial services or in the digital economy generally. There is an increasing awareness that the type and quality of data being used in AI algorithms may contain unintended biases emphasizing the importance of carefully monitoring inputs as this, the analytic and predictive powers of AI continues to increase. Its ability to shape our lives for good or ill likewise increases. In some countries, governments use AI to attempt to control behavior or restrict liberty. Given the rapid advances in AI, the importance of creating and maintaining a set of ethical principles for AI could not be more important or relevant. Carl, welcome. Uh, it's uh, let's begin by having you describe your role as chief compliance officer of a major global company that does business with the U.S. Defense Department and allied governments as well as other companies and that uh, collaborates in subcontracting services with your company. So, Carl, uh, just give us an overview if you would. Sure, Jerry, and it's great to talk to you and Jody today. I've really been delighted to take the opportunity to listen to some of the prior podcasts and greatly appreciate the leadership from both of you on important issues of privacy and cybersecurity. So let's talk a little bit about my role. And, you know, Jerry and Jody, this role of Chief Compliance Officer um, encompasses the global compliance program for our company, which, as you noted, uh, Northrop Grumman does business across the world and is among the largest aerospace and defense firms. I never cease to be surprised at the breadth of our business, uh, which includes products and solutions operating um, literally from the depths of the oceans on land across many continents to the outer reaches of space. And on that, I'd be remiss if I didn't make just a very short plug uh, for your listeners to check out the launch of the James Webb Space Telescope currently scheduled for December 22nd, that's just next week when we're after we're recording this, a truly revolutionary feat of science and engineering that is really designed to help us look back to the dawn of the universe among so many other hopeful, many capabilities. But let's come back to the role. When I think about 
this role at Northrop Grumman, I see two primary pillars. First, as you will both appreciate, it remains critical, in my view, to maintain and sustain an effective compliance program that addresses the elements of a program as identified by key enforcement agencies, such as the United States you know, Department of Justice, right? We've, we've seen the guidance come out from the DOJ over the last 18 months or so, ask many good questions that I think compliance officers should ask themselves and assess the programs against um, to determine whether you are meeting expectations in the enforcement community. To me, this means focusing on, on many different areas, but here's some principal ones focusing on the tone from senior leaders and first-line management. That management team is so critical to driving the effectiveness of the compliance program uh, to develop, implement, and deploy um, education and training to employees on any number of key risk areas, whether it's anti-corruption, export-import, the stuff you guys care about, privacy and cybersecurity, anti-human trafficking, quality and safety, the list goes on. We also need to maintain our attention to third-party risks. This is our extended supply chain. Um, as you noted, uh, Jerry, we do business with just literally thousands of companies all across the world, and supply chain is so fundamental to delivering the mission to our customers. Within that supply chain are issues of cybersecurity, privacy, quality, the use of certain technology uh, manufactured by countries outside the United States, any number of issues that have to be effectively addressed in order to maintain an appropriate risk profile. I also partner with internal audit and other stakeholders all across the company, which is absolutely fundamental to a, an effective compliance program. And of course, every single day, we are doing everything we can to stay on top of the constantly evolving in new legal, regulatory, or other requirements um, which is particularly important for a highly controlled business like Northrop Grumman. The second pillar I would point to is white space, um, an opportunity to deliver value to the company and its stakeholders, which I think now cycles us to today's topic. One area I've emphasized for our compliance program is embedding traditional compliance with laws, regulations, and requirements into our operations as well as seeking to look at compliance as, a, as a, an important facet of risk management. Um, that is, companies, in order to survive, must identify and take risk, but do so in a smart and disciplined fashion. This is why I've been so very interested and have greatly appreciated the opportunity to participate in Northrop Grumman's digital transformation initiatives. You know, Jerry and Jody, I'm a partisan for using data and analytics to inform better, faster decisions based on information. And there are many use cases in the compliance area that are very interesting. Among these are how to use artificial intelligence or machine learning to enhance how we address compliance and the, and the risks associated with that. This evolution of the, of the chief compliance officer role over the last seven years has, I think, demonstrated that compliance and agility, efficiency, data, and analytics are not mutually exclusive. Rather, they need to work in harmony to help the company succeed in achieving it, its objectives. You know, Carl, I have to say, as a lawyer in private practice dealing with one issue at a time, I'm always in awe of someone with your responsibilities and breadth of, uh, of areas that you have to cover. And I'm, I'm somewhat envious of it, too, because you have a chance to step back. And it's important that you step back and look at the big principle, uh, the big issues, as you've just uh, illustrated in your description. 
let's turn to the subject of the podcast episode, which is, of course, AI and the rules the Defense Department has developed regarding the ethical use of this tool. Now, I expect most of our listeners know about artificial intelligence, but I think it would be helpful if you could provide an example of how AI can be used to enhance knowledge and improve decision-making. And could you also provide an example or a hypothetical in which the misuse of AI could have negative consequences? Uh, sure, Jerry. And, you know, that's that's a great question. And it, and it gets right to the heart of what folks are often reading in the media about artificial intelligence. And I'm glad you started off with the issue of what are the benefits of, of artificial intelligence? Because I really, I think the narrative here should focus and remain attentive to artificial intelligence has the promise to provide transformational benefits to society, period. It is truly a tool and a way of dealing with information that can be a, a force for positive good. And that's a very much a, a, a reason why we're looking at responsible artificial intelligence as an animating value for how we approach our development in this space. To be more specific, I would point your listeners to a recent uh, report or guidance that was issued by the Department of Defense, the Defense Innovation Unit, the DIU, um, as they're referred to, is a really interesting um, unit within the department that is has as its mission to go out and look for new and emerging technologies to effectively engage with commercial firms to really harvest and partner with industry to get the best and brightest and most innovative thinking, and then bring that into the national and global security space um, to help the department and the other services achieve the, the mission of our security and safety across the planet. So the DIU is just, just a really, really great resource. And this guidance that they, that they published on responsible artificial intelligence and practice um, actually goes through a couple of case studies and then applies responsible artificial intelligence principles, which we'll discuss in more de detail in a bit, to these use cases. And as a couple of examples, they've been looking at how to use artificial intelligence um, to improve and, and enhance the accuracy, um, the speed, and the efficiency of reading uh, pathology and radiology uh, test results as part of the military treatment in, in military treatment facilities. This is a you know a use case which is, is purpose fit for artificial intelligence. You have highly technical devices, which are gathering information from patients, which can be digitized, which then can be analyzed by machine learning for certain indicia of certain conditions um, that can be very, that if properly developed and implemented can be more accurate. You know, one of the things about machine learning is that machines don't sleep, machines don't get tired, machines don't get distracted. If you do it correctly, you can really advance the ball in terms of being able to always check for the same kind of condition on a radiology report and then have the radiologist have the, that ability to look for those hot spots and look for those indicia and make better decisions. And the idea is the decisions are faster, right? They're not only faster, more efficient, but they're overall higher in quality. Another area that DIU has looked at is countering foreign malign influence, which has been, you know, the subject of tremendous amounts of reporting in the media. Um, in this case, identifying, tracking, and countering transnational criminal groups attempting to mask their identity and activities 
um, which, as you might imagine, is something of great concern um, to the security community. So this is, you know, I think, and this is, these are just but two examples. Um, there are so many use cases across so many different industries and so many different contexts. Um, the complexity and breadth of artificial intelligence is, is, is frankly one of the challenges, but you can just see the, the, the potential benefits across the landscape. Um, as a company, um, the Department of Defense, I mean, we're involved in, you know, in helping support the Department of Defense and some of its big initiatives on artificial intelligence, um, such as JADC2, which is a DOD plan to build a cross-service digital architecture across all what are called in our, in our uh, industry domains, right? What are domains? Airspace, cyberspace should be of pertinence to, to you, uh, Jerry and Jody, land merit, and maritime operations. This is a way to integrate all the domains and do so from a data and AI perspective. Uh, so this is, you know, look, artificial intelligence is happening. It is a national security priority. There are it's absolute imperative to deliver effective, better capability to our customers so that they can operate and counter the, the threats in our environment in a robust fashion. And I should further note, I mean, it's no secret that, you know, we live in a contested world and there is, there is great power competition. And the competition with what are termed the near-peer adversaries is real. The adversaries to the United States are and will continue to focus on artificial intelligence and technological capability as a way to essentially support their um, foreign policy and other goals. And we need to be in a position to be able to defend against that. So that's part of what we're doing in support of our customers. Now, you might imagine that the consequences of those decisions can be very serious, particularly in our industry. So that brings us to the negative consequences part of your question. So I think I want to take a big step back here. You know, accidents, unintended consequences, and things not going as, as designed is not unique to artificial intelligence. You need only drive an automobile down the road without an autonomous system, and there can be an accident that results in damage and injury, and then the liability has to be parsed out. This is certainly not a new concept. And technology not working as designed is something that's absolutely something we deal with every day, given all the number of devices that any, any individual has in their personal lives. So artificial intelligence is, is going to have, and we have to acknowledge, and we have to be prepared to accept that artificial intelligence, like any other technology, like any other human endeavor, can, in some circumstances, result in accidents or unintended consequences. So we, you know, and we'll talk a little bit later, um, Jerry, I think about bias and, and some of the other specific areas where, where AI can come into, into issues. But so what's the difference here, right? So there's a fundamental baseline where AI needs to be addressed from an accidents perspective. What is unique and what is different, maybe not unique, but what is different about artificial intelligence? There are use cases where actions or recommendations formerly made exclusively by humans, right? And I think we're comfortable with that. We recognize that. And even the error rate in human decision-making is something that's just assumed to happen, right? So it's kind of okay for humans not to be as good at making decisions because, well, they're humans, right? But when AI gets involved and it's now an automated process that's making a decision, then there can be concern, right? Because that was previously something perhaps done by a human in real time, and now that's automated, there's augmentation, et cetera. Um, I will note that on the use cases I've seen, you know, humans remain involved in the process, right? In the DOD space, there's an absolute requirement for human involvement, but you get into these very technical discussions of whether 
a human is literally in the loop as one of the gates to go through as part of a decision-making process, which involves automation, or is it a human, what is called on the loop, which means there's human interaction, there's human supervision and management of the AI process, but the AI process is running um, without an explicit human decision-making step. So, I mean, that does create complexity. We, I think, are going to need to be doing a whole lot more work on what are the liability rules around unintended consequences and accidents of all the AI? How do you address issues like indemnity? How are we addressing issues like intellectual property ownership? And as you take a step back, what's the most effective way to allocate risk that not only protects the so-called the people who may be harmed by artificial intelligence, but also maintain the imperative of innovation and being able to continue to capture the benefits of AI. I also want to note, Jerry, that there's complexity in the data sets as well. I think there's a, there's a predilection to focus on the artificial intelligence itself, the algorithms that are ingesting data and making decisions or recommending decisions based on that data, training uh, their operations on, on data as data evolves, and then having the results evolve based on that training. The data itself, the quality of that data, the provenance of the data, the ownership of that data is really important to uh, shaping the outcome of artificial intelligence. I heard a description recently that you know data in a so and in the term was used pristine environment will result in you know let's take the example of facial recognition in results that are that are more accurate and more positive than than humans themselves can do. That's a pretty big word though, pristine, right? If the data is inaccurate or of suspect provenance, that in and of itself can lead to unintended consequences and negative outputs. So, you know, that's that's a space I think that we really need to focus on. And then if I bring us back to our topic, I mean, I think one of the main reasons or a principal reason for adopting and working um, to implement, you know, responsible artificial intelligence values um, and principles and then operationalize those in our software development process is to really reinforce the need to monitor and test artificial intelligence to confirm that it's working as intended to capture those benefits and to avoid negative consequences. Well, Carl, that was very comprehensive and went down a number of roads, which each of which could be the subject of another podcast or more than one. But let me turn it over to Jody. Hi, Carl. Let me join Jerry in thanking you for joining us to discuss really this important topic this morning. As Jerry mentioned at the beginning, the Defense Department has developed and published its ethical principles for artificial intelligence. Uh, provide a little background on what prompted the promulgation of these principles, kind of their give us their purpose and content, and also describe how they're playing out at DOD and with the defense industry today. Uh, sure, Jody. You know, I would say that the, from my perspective, the U.S. Department of Defense has, has really taken a leadership role in this space. And I find that very encouraging. And it's really consistent with the, the commitment of the department to you know, adhering to the law of armed conflict and to embed and embrace ethical principles as part of its operations. I think that's a distinguishing factor and an important discriminating factor for a liberal democracy in an environment which I've described is still subject to intensive threats. I've heard the comment that, uh, well, our adversaries, Carl, aren't going to be as attentive to these ethical issues 
in the thing that isn't stated parentheses, so why should we? Well, I think I think that's what we stand for as a country and what we stand for in our in our defense posture. And so I really congratulate the department in its, in its willingness to take a lead here. To give you some specifics, this effort dates back to 2018, believe it or not, uh, pre-pandemic. The department's uh, convened a federal advisory committee called the Defense Innovation Board, uh, which is just a really interesting group of leading technologists, including from uh, folks with backgrounds in the, in the leading big tech firms. Um, you know, Eric Schmidt, formerly uh, very senior roles at Google, um, was the chair of this board at the time, leading academics and researchers, folks with many different perspectives, a diverse, highly qualified and expert group. Um, that undertook some very important work on any number of fronts. I, I would encourage you to check out their website. It's not, it's not just artificial intelligence. But one of the one of the task groups was on artificial intelligence. And they were given the assignment of proposing ethical principles for artificial intelligence and national security. And they published the principles and supporting documentation in 2019. There's a very, very good framework document out there that describes in detail the thinking uh, behind the principles um, around you know, responsible artificial intelligence, transparency, explainability, avoiding guidance, uh, bias, it being governable. Uh, there are five principles. They're succinct and they are straightforward. And I think they capture the breadth of what we're talking about today. So this wasn't just a report, right? Sometimes I think in, in the Washington space, as you all would be well familiar with, there's blue ribbon commissions, they produce reports which then proceed to gather dust. Not the case here. The Defense Department actually took these principles um, developed by the Defense Innovation Board and formally adopted them in 2020. So it went from a recommendation to US Department of Defense policy. And that was a major milestone and it's paved the way for subsequent activities um, such as the uh, May 2021 memorandum by um, Deputy Secretary of Defense uh, Hicks, which really stated explicitly that as the department embraces artificial intelligence, and I'll just quote here for a second, the quote is, it is impar imperative that we, that being the department, adopt responsible behavior, processes, and outcomes in a manner that reflects the department's commitment to to its ethical principles, including the protection of privacy and civil liberties. That's a pretty direct statement. And I think it's a, it is a sincere statement, and it's one that we are seeing operationalized um, throughout the, how the department is addressing artificial intelligence. So as outlined in this memorandum and continued with you know, subsequent um, developments like the appointment of a chief or the, the, the recent announcement that the department is looking for a, a chief artificial intelligence officer, there have been organizational initiatives to deploy responsible um, artificial intelligence, including integrating responsible artificial intelligence into acquisition requirements. You know, for those of us in the defense industry, you know, the procurement process, the process by which you know, new solutions and capabilities are, are purchased and deployed by the department, that's where the rubber meets the road. What are those requirements? What do you have to do as a contractor to successfully and effectively deliver the mission to the customer? And what we've seen, we've already seen in requests for proposals issued by the department, they explicitly ask contractors to confirm whether they will comply with the DOD ethics principles and delivery of a, of a particular solution. So if I look at this, I mean, if you're in business, you're in the business of helping your customers achieve their mission. 
in this case, in our case, our, our national and global security customer. And you need to listen to the voice of the customer. And the voice of the customer here is the expectation that artificial intelligence be delivered in a responsible and ethical manner. I don't think it's optional. I think folks realize what the stakes are here that really needs to be a way to ensure that artificial intelligence is explainable. It is transparent. It is governed. It is responsible. It can be monitored. All these principles, that helps build public trust and confidence. It also helps build policymaker trust and confidence, which is essential for our industry and for our customers. They have to go engage with the political apparatus to get support, appropriations and other policy support for the mission. So if artificial intelligence is just a black box that nobody really explains that is viewed as doing scary and leading to negative results, that, that's going to hurt the overall mission versus the responsible artificial intelligence approach, which enhances the mission. This works well for us, this whole paradigm, because our first value at Northrop Grumman is, well, is that we do the right thing. That's our number one value. And I'd like to think that we live that value every day. I certainly do everything I can to reinforce that value. So responsible ethical artificial intelligence is 100% consistent with that. And that's why we're looking to participate in this conversation in a meaningful and robust way. I also just want to add here that, you know, Jody, your question was about the Department of Defense. From our standpoint, you know, the Department of Defense is, of course, one of our most important customer sets. We also do a significant amount of work with the intelligence community, which we can't talk about for obvious reasons due to its restricted and classified nature. But the intelligence community has also announced its own artificial intelligence ethical principles, which are very similar to the Department of Defense's principles. And I would commend that to your listeners reading as well, um, because it actually reinforces and states a very strong commitment to compliance with law and respect for individual rights and liberties of affected individuals. I think there's a there's a perhaps a misperception out there that the national security um, entities are somehow not attentive to issues of liberty and privacy. I would argue the opposite. I think there is I think there is tremendous attention and commitment to that. Does it operate perf- perfectly in all instances? People can debate that, but I don't think the fundamental policy. I think the fundamental policy commitment is there. Well, that's really interesting. Let me ask you, you said that DOD's, the Defense Innovation Board put forth its ethical principles. They published them in 2019 and they were formally adopted by DOD in 2020. So there was a gap there. During that gap, were they open for public comment? Do you know? I mean, it wasn't promulgated rulemaking. They were, there was, there was, before they were published, Jody, there were, there were, uh, you know, there was workshops and meetings and a strong effort to elicit quite a bit of input into the principles themselves. From the public or just from the defense community? From the public. Oh, that's great. That's that's my recollection. Yeah, that's great. And the defense innovation unit that you mentioned, Eric Schmidt and some of the tech companies were involved with, and, and that is so important. You're right, by the way, because you know, much of the public doesn't think about Google as a defense contractor, but Google's a big defense contractor. And our tech community, they, our public tends to think of them as commercial companies. But it's just so important with the DOD's leadership in this area because many times our technologies that we use today began with DOD funding. 
Um, I think Microsoft began with funding to develop Office for DOD. But anyway, so this this unit is very important, not to defense industrial base and DOD, but also just for our whole USA tech community. And this guide that you mentioned, the responsible AI guidelines in practice. So the guidelines drilled down from the high level of ethical principles to some use cases and suggestions for practical steps to implement these principles. So in your conversations with other chief compliance officers in the defense industry, are your peers finding this a useful tool as they seek to comply with ethical principles, the guidelines that they've put out? Um, I think they should, uh, Jody. I, I don't know specifically what they're doing. I know this is a, an issue of interest across our sector and the business community uh, more broadly, which we can talk about some more in a bit. But to speak specifically about the DIU guide, it's an important development, in my view, and should be required reading for those of us in the aerospace and defense industry. Because my take is that the protocols outlined in the guide are likely to be applied more generally across the department, not just to uh, defense innovation unit projects. Um, the guide is, uh, you know, I think is it really seeks to get into the operational details of taking the high level principles of the DOD um, ethical principles and how are you going to actually implement them in solution and product development. You know, just, just to review, the DOD principles are that AI is responsible it is equitable, it is traceable, it is reliable, and it is governable. Those are the five. So when you look at the guide, the guide basically takes the steps of artificial intelligence um, development and ties that back to those five animating principles. And then it talks about, so it takes through each of the phase of, of you know, each of the phases of implementing artificial intelligence, planning um, for the solution, developing the solution, and deploying a solution. And then it sets forth sample workflows for each phase, um, again, linked back to the DOD ethical principles. And so let me just give you some highlights so your listeners can get an idea of what we're talking about here, right? So because it's really the questions that drive the analysis here and the questions in this space of artificial intelligence ethics are broad, even philosophical and quite complex in nature. So some highlights are, and it's interesting, out of the gate, right, when you're when you're planning a artificial intelligence solution, the DIU guide asks whether you've evaluated the ownership of provenance of and relevance of the candidate data models. That goes right back to the point I made earlier about data governance. Yeah. And where is the data? Where is it coming from? What is the quality of that data? What are the issues with that data? That's a fundamental. You need to be answering those questions right out of the gate as part of the planning process. Have you identified another question or another part of the phase of, of development is, have you identified the process for system rollback and error identification and correction? This goes to Jerry's question about negative consequences of AI, right? So if there's something that's broken, if there's a bug, if there's an issue, can you restore the system to an earlier state where that issue isn't present, right? Is that something you take into account? Have you developed that? Um, do you have a way to identify errors and flag those errors? This is part of the assessment and the monitoring of an AI system and then correct those errors, right? Um, I think the, these, these are not new concepts in software development, but they need to be focused on particularly, and I think there needs to be a risk assessment on what are the consequences if the AI system doesn't work as intended? How serious would those be to, to entities, the people 
etc. Another question is, have you created a plan to prevent the intentional or unintentional manipulation of data or output and or of data or outputs and identify who is responsible for implementing this plan? <laughs> there's, so, there's so much great stuff here. First of all, intentional or unintentional manipulation of data. There's this interesting concept out there, um, particularly in the national security world of data poisoning. Bad actors can actually try and infect your data set um, right. with misinformation to drive to basically manipulate and create adverse outputs, right? That's right. so you gotta have you gotta have security around your, your data. It can be intentional by bad actors, it could just be intentional, uh, unintentional because of just the, the nature of the and providence of the data set. And then there's this idea of responsibility, which we'll talk about a little bit with Jerry. Who's responsible? Roles and responsibilities is is becoming quite important in terms of organizational adaptation or adoption of ethical AI. Um, another question, have you designated, this is to the point I just made, have you designated roles and persons with the power to make and certify necessary changes to the capability? Who's in charge? What are your paths? What are your workflows, right? What are your escalation trees? These questions need to be answered as you're, as you're standing up these systems. And finally, have you conducted harms modeling to assess likelihood and magnitude of harm? So if something doesn't work as intended in your system, what's going to happen, right? What are foreseeable consequences? So, you know, DIU is not alone in this kind of assessment. Um, I think it's particularly pertinent to, pertinent to our industry, but these are the questions that we're grappling with. Well, you know, I, I specialize in cyber governance and these really are an excellent set of questions for boards and C-suite executives in looking at the application of this kind of technology. So this is a valuable contribution because cyber governance is a concept that many are grasping, grappling with right now, trying to grasp what it really means. But I think this is very useful and it's very helpful that you went through these and set them out. We appreciate that. Jerry, let me hand this back to you. Well, thanks, Jerry. And, you know, one thing that, and, and Carl has alluded to this, that struck me in reading the Responsible AI guidelines is the importance of assigning responsibility. And in dealing with the subjects so highly sensitive and complex as AI ethical principles, it would seem that while the responsibility of every employee is to act ethically, educating the workforce and setting up systems to monitor compliance will be important. It also seems risky if responsibility for compliance is too diverse. And we, I, I know that you're going to have some thoughts on that question, uh, Carl. It might be necessary to have one executive charged with the ultimate responsibility for certifying compliance with the principles. And so I have in mind a line executive, not the CCO. Although the CCO, that is someone in your position, would be helpful in developing employee training programs and checking on whether those working in AR, fulfilling their mandate contained in the ethical principles. What are your thoughts, Carl? That's just an excellent question, uh, Jerry. And I spend a lot of time thinking about roles, responsibilities, and how to operationalize compliance as we've been talking about uh, throughout this podcast. And you know, roles and responsibilities are so critical anytime we are looking to implement an organizational initiative such as in this case, how are we developing artificial intelligence in a responsible fashion? And 
if I think about it, and I think that my friends, technologist friends would agree, you know, artificial intelligence development is not, you know, sitting by all by itself as a silo. It is, it is fundamentally software development, it's the kind of software that operates in a very particular way. And from my perspective, it's really important how can we embed and integrate the artificial intelligence ethical principles, the guidance into our development processes and environment. Um, this is what the DIU guide is trying to do. This is what you'll see um, organizations like NIST trying to do, which we'll, we'll discuss in a bit. But the focus on the DIU guide, which, we, which we've talked about at some length, it really does explore this path, right? How are we going to operationalize and truly tie the principles to each phase of the development process. So this goes to how do you then identify roles and responsibilities that connect to all these phases. Um, so what are we trying? What am I? What are we trying to do, Jerry, at Northrop Grumman? I mean, we are looking to take a, a leadership position here. We are partnering with other companies to work on streamlining our approach to artificial intelligence governance and implementing and incorporating compliance with the principles into our engineering workflows. Um, and I'll, I would point your listeners to a press release that we issued over the summer and, you know, where we were quite public in stating, and this is, you know, this is our objective, this is our goal, and this is what we're looking to execute in support of our customers. So we are public that we are taking a system engineering approach. Now, for your listeners, system engineering is how you look across a holistic engineering solution and, and do so in a very disciplined fashion. Uh, we are taking a system engineering approach to artificial intelligence development. And we are partnering with universities, with academics, and with leading companies that are working in this space, such as a Silicon Valley startup called Credo AI. And you know, it's one of the fun things of my job that I get to get on, get on a Zoom call with folks like Credo AI who are looking how to innovate, right? How to operationalize and how to structure workflows and how to look at how we use technology to help the technology succeed. Use the tech to check the tech. And so I think there's just tremendous white space, there's tremendous promise, and there's, a, there's really, um, I think, an opportunity to take a holistic approach here to artificial intelligence ethics and principles and make those inherent to our software development process. Spiraling off that, Jerry, we really we're gonna we're gonna have to have roles and responsibilities all along, right? What is the role and the responsibility of the software engineer? What is the role and responsibility of the software engineer's management? What's the roles and responsibility of a quality organization that's testing the solutions? What are the roles and responsibilities of the organization, the project team that's deploying a solution or an algorithm in a in a live environment with the, with a customer? What is the role and responsibility of a legal team on any regulatory, privacy, cyber, or other issues that need to inform how we're deploying this? But the role and responsibility of a chief compliance officer looking at how we're managing risk and compliance across the entire enterprise. This is something that we are actively working every day. There's no one single answer. There's not a recipe. It's a very dynamic and evolving uh, situation. And I think that's just inherent to, to, to artificial intelligence because to me, the artificial intelligence use cases are so diverse and the number of models so high. And, you know, Jerry and Jody, I have to emphasize artificial intelligence is not static. Machine learning changes, right? Algorithms that are training on data sets, and if the data sets evolve and the data sets change, 
then the algorithm will change in terms of its outputs and its operation. So this is a continuous process. That's much different than just the release of a particular piece of software that sits on your laptop and just runs, and it runs the way it runs until the next release update. AI evolves. So let me, Jerry, let me engage with you then on this idea of the line executive, right? Or sort of how do you deal with the overall governance? I mean, I have a lot of folks that I know in this space who are working on AI ethics and governance, and it's not unusual to see boards, right? A board, a committee, or some similar structure to provide supervision over the artificial intelligence environment. For example, um, I worked at IBM for many years before I came to Northrop Grumman, and um, IBM has been very public about its approach. And I would commend your listeners to go out and read um, the papers that have been published by IBM on artificial intelligence ethics and the case studies, which I think are very interesting. And the governance approach is essentially the company's promulgated a board, and the board is co-chaired by the company's uh, uh, chief privacy officer, who uh, in, her, in her prior life was a very senior lawyer at the company, including being a corporate secretary, in conjunction with a leading artificial intelligence ethicist and technologist who has you know, been heavily engaged in all the, the major fora across the world on, on these issues. So the board and committee structure is not uncommon. I will say um, I, I understand the purpose of that. I'm far from convinced that internal structures of bureaucracy staffed by humans will suffice. And such a structure could, if it's inefficient and cumbersome, actually impede compliance or even worse, chill needed innovation. There needs to be a balance here between effective governance that's in conjunction with the principles, but that allows the innovation and the dynamism of the space to proceed. That's inherent to it. And I kind of have a, a question in my mind about having a pyramid structure where decisions roll up to some kind of board and you vote on them. Now, I'm not entirely sure how that works when you're talking about thousands of potential models that are training themselves and changing all the time. Anyway, in any event, this brings me back to what I started with, which is I'd rather see us fully leverage the power of artificial and technology to govern artificial intelligence. And you know, will that require management focus and attention? Uh, will compliance officers and others have an obligation to test whether the company is holding true to its values as well as the requirements of the customers? Of course, right, Jerry? I mean, of course. I mean, that all has to be in place. But you know, creativity and agility is going to be absolutely vital in order to be successful. You know, Carl, it brings me back to the uh, old Latin phrase, who will guard the guards themselves? Right. <laughs> and uh, and you know, so ultimately, uh, someone is going to have to not on a case-by-case -case basis, but ultimately take responsibility for what is happening in this space, albeit it runs across so many areas of the company that they can't be involved in every decision, clearly. But you're much closer to it than I, and you're right on the front line. So uh, very, very useful insights. Jody? So Carl, we are about out of time here, but I... Uh... I wanted to ask, since World War II, the Defense Department has often been in the lead when it comes to scientific advances from, well, everything from the atomic bomb to the, the hydrogen bomb to the internet. And so it's in many ways appropriate that with the develop of, development of advanced AI, that DOD would be in the lead in considering the risks associated with inappropriate use of this powerful tool. So that leads me to ask you, 
Are you aware of any other government agencies other than the intelligence community, which you've already mentioned, that have promulgated similar ethics principles? Or is there any cross-government collaboration on this? I really think, do you think it'd be worthwhile to sort of share the learning in this area that's taking place at DOD with other agencies and industries? Yeah, so that that's a great question, Jody. There's just so much going on. It's almost it's it's actually quite a challenge to keep up with all the various papers and positions and principles that are being promulgated. Uh, um, I think Harvard kind of tried to publish a grid not too long ago, and there are so many little bats on that grid. It's, it's <laughs> eye watering. Um, but in terms of what else is going on in the U.S. government, government, um, I mean, I would uh, I would point to uh, um, you know. The Government Accounting Office published a very thorough report um, in June 2021 um, that was entitled Artificial Intelligence and Accountability Framework for Federal Agencies. So this was GAO advice to federal agencies on how to implement responsible AI, thoughtful, detailed, comprehensive. You know, it's, it is really hard to try and keep all this data in your head at one point in time. Maybe we need AI for AI, AI uh, principles, but that's one development. You know, there's also the OMB memo M2106, which which addresses the regulation of artificial intelligence applications. That's cross government, Jody, and that's been pointed to as as a as a framework document under which you know responsible artificial intelligence can be encompassed. I've also heard that you know there could be more, there could be further enhancements, and I think that's where some of the DoD and intelligence community approaches um, could be promulgated to other other uh, spaces within the U.S. government. You know, NIST is 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 also heavily engaged. I mean, you'll know full well from your expertise in the cybersecurity space how important NIST has been in developing yeah. cybersecurity standards, right? So NIST is jumping into the AI space as well, uh, working on an AI, what they call an AI risk management framework. Um, there's, there was a public workshop in 2021. Um, and just this week, um, NIST issued a, a, a concept paper and is seeking feedback and comments on their AI risk management framework. Um, you know, Jody, I had ambitions to read that paper before this podcast, but I haven't gotten to it. No. Um, <laughs> There's so much to read these days. Yeah, too much to read, but, you know, it is on the list. It's in the reading file. I'll add the Commerce Department is establishing a, uh, um, you know, pursuant to, um, might be pursuant to a legislative mandate. I don't actually know the providence of it, but it is, there has been a, a public notice to establish a National Artificial Intelligence Advisory Committee. I think that will be potentially a very powerful source, again, of input, um, similar to what we've seen with the, the Defense Innovation Board. So there's just so much going on. And uh, your listeners may pile on in the comments with, uh, you missed this or you missed that, Carl. I hope they do, because it's uh, I'll learn something from it, because it's just, there's just uh, a lot to try and keep up with. Well, it's really such an important topic and spans so many different areas and industry sectors and, of course, across government that this is really valuable learning about all of this. And clearly DOD has been in the leadership seat on this and Northrop Grumman right there with it. And so thank you so much for sharing this. Let me hand this back to Jerry to close. Yes, you know, unfortunately there's a lot more we'd like to cover and uh, we, we just have run out of time. But I, uh, I wanna thank you, Carl. I know uh, that you play a leadership role among CCOs. I've been at meetings you've convened, CCOs from the, the largest companies. And I think this might be a very interesting topic when, when COVID permits 
for uh, a review by CCOs across the financial services, uh, defense, uh, even the academic uh, community. Uh, and uh, so I hope you'll give some thought to convening such a meeting. A any thoughts on that before we close? Yeah, so I agree. And I mean, the business community is going to weigh in here, Jerry. And, you know, I, I had a couple of conversations before the, this podcast, and I've been given uh, permission to signal to you all that the Business Roundtable, which, as you know, is, a, is an organization of the, of the leading CEOs of the largest and most significant uh, U.S. companies from many sectors and industries, um, that the Business Roundtable, and, and we've been engaged, Northrop Grumman's been engaged in this process, um, is planning to publish in the new year, not only um, artificial intelligence ethics principles for the business community, um, but also policy recommendations as we look at potential future regulation and or legislation in some fashion in the United States in this space. So, you know, cross-industry cooperation is, is going to need to be and should continue to be a priority in the future and absolutely interested in looking for fora in places where we can do that. I would just predict for your listeners that there's there's a wide anticipation and expectation that you know AI regulation is coming in some fashion. You've already seen it. This isn't new news at all. You know, start in Europe and with the AI Artificial Intelligence Act being debated in the EU and being subjected to comment and being um, and then will be presented to the European Parliament, et cetera. That is, again, another area I think of required reading, given in how it, it deals with risk assessment, artificial intelligence, how it addresses issues like conformity testing and auditing and other ways of sort of gauge the risk of artificial intelligence and then regulate it. You know, what that looks like in its final form, I don't know, but it's on par with GDPR, which I know is something of uh, significance to both of you, given your focus on privacy and cybersecurity. Um, what happens here in the United States? You know, that's uh, that's a really interesting question, and I don't know, right? I know you all have been debating, you know, the national privacy legislation. Are we going to have a hopscotch state-by-state state state approach to artificial intelligence regulation? Are we going to have something else? Um, I think that's a space to watch very much in the coming year. I mean, I'll just end up here, uh, Jerry and Jody, by, you know, going back to where we started. I think, you know, artificial intelligence, properly understood, can and will be a force for positive um, societal benefits and change. Um, but to capture that, we will continue to need a robust cross-industry, cross-stakeholder dialogue um, to truly make that happen in an ethical, sustainable, and trustworthy fashion. Carl, thank you. It seems clear that we are at the beginning, by, but not the end of this discussion, and there's so much more to learn. And as you know, the Europeans, once again, are leaping a little bit ahead of us in terms of universal principles. Thank you so much for the time you've given, the thought you've given to this uh, program. Jody and I are both grateful to you for being a guest, and I'm sure our listeners will be as well. Thank you for joining us this week on the U.S. National Privacy and Cybersecurity Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoy the show and want more content on the issues we cover, you can visit adcg.org. The Association for Data and Cyber Governance is the leading association connecting all aspects of data management, cybersecurity, and governance. Our listeners can use code POD at checkout for 50% off membership. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.